Hi, and welcome back to Omni Women's All Change podcast. We at Omni Women are a volunteer sisterhood from within Omnicom, and we're on a mission to inspire women from around the world to lead, whether that's in their business or their personal lives, in a way that is truly authentic. In this series, we'll be talking to some amazing women who share our passion for inspiring and lifting the incredible future generation of talent by sharing the good, the bad, and the beautiful moments where it all changed. My name is Arusa, and I am very pleased to introduce you to our amazing guest today, Sally Keane. Sally is currently Director of Sales at Spotify after experiencing many changes in both her business and her personal life. Today, she'll be chatting with Toby on all of these changes that she went through and how she found the right mechanisms and tools to keep going and build her success as we see today. So without any further ado, I will pass over to Toby and Sally to talk everything or change. Thank you, Sally. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast today. And I should also say a thank you to you and your amazing colleagues because many of you are the reason why we're here kind of recording in this room today. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited to get into your story today because I think there's lots of wonderful and really beautiful meanders and lots of learning lessons. Um, But you probably know the question that we're going to start with today is how do you define yourself? Yeah. Um, so when you ask, I knew you were going to ask me this question. So I went and thought a lot about it. I think I define myself as um, driven, focused, and fun. Uh, for those of you know uh, who know me, I'm a lot of fun, and uh, we can we can dive a little bit deep into mm-hmm. that. And um, I can talk to you a little bit about why why you why I can yeah, start definitely. Talking about that. So um, when I think about my journey. And like what's made me who I am and and, and what I'm driven. I think, you know, you, we all start with our upbringing, right? So I grew up in um, Forest Hill, South East London, which is um, quite gentrified now, actually. But when I grew up, it, it really wasn't. I grew up in a working class family. Um, my dad was a window cleaner and like true working class. If you've just seen that Netflix documentary where Posh Spice is talking about. Oh, yes, class. I've seen that clip. I literally just yeah. saw it and I was like, no, my dad <laughs> definitely took me to school in um, in a, a Ford Cortina, not a Rolls Royce, <laughs> so I'm definitely working class. And my dad was a window cleaner. Um, but, um, and we grew up in council housing, so I would define myself as what was working class. And if I think about, um, like, how what that was and how that defined me so my my secondary school um was in the borders of Catford and Lewisham and um when I think about when I was first put put into that school you know the transition of like Mm. secondary school to uh, primary secondary school and and what that means and and I was put into a class and and it was when I was reflecting over at the weekend and um I was put into a class and the, the girls in there were not very nice and um they used to like um, make us be- make us have fights to see who was wow. who would survive. <laughs> survive. That is so cool. I know, and I laugh by it now, but it's actually not funny, yeah. obviously. Um, and but that was what they that was just what they used to do because that was just obviously what they were used to. And and um, my brothers were always quite troublesome, and we'll probably come onto that a little bit later. And so for me, I just always wanted to just like cause my mum and dad as little little trouble, trouble as possible so I didn't really talk about it but um I used to just lie to that group of friends and say that my mum and dad didn't let me out but they did obviously they were very liberal but I used to lie about it but then I just had this like a not epiphany but like a pivotal moment where I just thought if I stay in this group of friends I'm just not going to be very successful successful so what I because I wanted to just get out and earn money obviously that's what I think and what was that moment that made you feel like actually there's a change that I need to make here or there's a decision that I need to make here that is the right decision for me that might feel quite tough yeah I I was trying to reflect and think what was it like who was this brave person that just did this at that young age and I can't honestly tell you what it was that made me think it but I think if you ask people from um, all working class backgrounds or people that have grown up um, with not a lot of money and you ask them what they wanted to do in career they wouldn't know because mm. all they wanted to do was earn money and and I knew that's what I wanted to do and so I just thought if I stay in this situation where I didn't feel comfortable I'm, I wasn't going to thrive and so I took myself didn't tell my parents I took myself off to my head of year and I said I can't stay in this class I need wow. to move and then and how old were you when you did this like in year seven whatever that was at the time so 11 yeah basically and uh, after six months of being in this class and going through this this stuff every day 
And then I just said, I want to move. I want to move. And so they moved me into a different class. And um, the girls were like, were just obviously horrible about it. And it was a, a mixed comprehensive. And um, and then I moved into a different class. And that was kind of like a bit of a sliding doors moment, a pivotal moment, because then obviously I met some really great friends who are some of my best friends today. But that was a, I think like when I think about like drive and stuff, that was a that was a, a big thing that I took that I that I did. And so when I think about driven, and I think what does that mean? I think it means always wanting to try subconsciously and do the mm. best for myself so I think that was a that was a key thing and because that um that school was quite rough it's it's okay it's okay it raised rough the right word I don't know you can probably use a different word but it was um in an area that wasn't um it was quite rough and, and everything and university was never really talked about yeah I mean if you think about now like schools they talk about that all the time but yeah, in my so school so many different options now right they, they just didn't even it wasn't even a thing and um so we didn't even talk about it and do you remember when everyone did work experience oh yes I do remember work right. experience so this is another pivotal moment which which helped define me which was at the time my friend who I'd met um her dad was the marketing director of Chanel and so when everyone else at school went off and did their work experience in Tesco's or whatever, I went to the creative agency, DMV and B. So smart. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what I was doing at 11 it, or in my younger years. It, it wasn't like this. I yeah. Mean, yeah, I know. It was insane. But it was. But I was lucky enough to have the right person who like suggested this to me. So I, off I went. I said, oh, quite interesting in advertising. So off I went to this creative agency and obviously they took me on shoots and I just absolutely loved it. And I was like, um, I want to do this. this. I don't know yeah. what it means, but I want to do this. And obviously because university was never really a thing that was talked about I didn't really know how to do it but I did um sixth form and did media studies and uh and then I didn't really know other than to earn money at that point I think I wanted to go to university but my mum and dad were right didn't have the money to be able to support me to go I worked as soon as I could so when I was 15 I got a job in good old Woolworths oh bring back Woolworths and the <laughs> yeah. pick and mix please pick and mix, Saturday doing the Saturday <laughs> chart little putting the CDs up loved it and uh, so I did I, I I worked as soon as I could and then I actually just left sixth form and then went and just enrolled students into university because I was like I just wanted to earn money and and you know get get my way in the world and uh and then but it was horrible and mm. um my mum and dad knew what I wanted to do and they picked me up one day and they said look just don't go back we'll figure out we'll figure out a way of getting you there but I didn't know anything about university or what you have to do and all these things you have to do I, I'd, I'd got a levels from sixth form and my friend at the time who I'd met at sixth form she'd gone to study marketing and advertising and I was like hmm that sounds I, like me. That sounds like me. But obviously this was three months later after, like in November or whatever it was when they started in September. And so this is before the internet, giving away my age here. Uh, <laughs> so I just took myself off to the university with my mum. No pen in my bag or anything. Got to the, got to the university said, I've seen, I've heard about this course. I want to join it. And like this course has already started. I was like, okay, I want to speak to the head of the, 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 the year. So that the head of the course said, so he came down. And I had a chat to him and said, I've had this work experience. And he was like, cool, go and join the course. Amazing. Look and, at that. <laughs> and I didn't even have a pen on me or anything. And my friends like had all been through clearing and everything. And I joined the class and just walked into this class, saw his girl. And I was like, you like your trainers? And that was one of my best friends, Gemma now. And uh, that was it. And that was, and like, that is like, it's just ridiculous to think like the, that drive I don't know where it came from, but it was just that will I to mean, succeed. You say it's ridiculous, but I I clearly can see a theme of consistency that it's there's something in you. It's clearly innate that has seen opportunities and thought, yeah, why not? Yeah, Absolutely, exactly. Let's find a way to make it make it happen. And I love that you connected with a friend at university over trainers. It sounds quite similar um, to me. I saw someone in my very first lecture. I saw her at the front, and she had a particular bag. And I was like, oh my goodness, I love that bag. <laughs> so I literally went up to her to talk about something. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was her bag or maybe it was food. And yeah. then um, we've been, yeah, really close friends ever since. So. That's what you need though, yeah. isn't it? That's literally, just a little icebreaker. So, uh, so... Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of that was kind of it, really. And then throughout my uni, I kept my job at Woolworths, still doing doing. But they promoted me pretty quickly there, actually. And I was like, before I knew it, I was like head Saturday girl, 
<laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> Sounds great. That's a big deal back exactly. then at Woolworths. It was. And so I used to do all the um, all the hours. I used to like give everyone all the hours and all these women and people that had been there for a long time. And they were like, who is this girl giving all the hours? But I used to give myself all the hours so that I could then work around my studies and going clubbing and going shopping and, and all those things. And, and yeah, that was that. Was that. And uh, then I did my dissertation on ambient media. So, um, you know, like, is ambient media the new medium? You know, like buses and underground and doing mm. all those funky things. And so then when I left uni, I was like, I want to go and work in a creative agency. And uh, that was a pipe dream because obviously they don't want, they didn't want to speak to someone like me from South London, go, we went to university in Elephant and Castle. They went to speak to people who went to Cambridge and Oxford and all those fun places. Um, so that was quickly put to bed. And so then I had to think about what I wanted to do. And so um, I then uh, had a chat to a, a family friend who was a, a recruitment consultant. And she was like, after chatting, she was like, I think you'd be great in sales, actually. So I was like, absolutely. Cool. I'm going to go and try sales out. So I had my first job. In, I had my first interview at Viacom Outdoor. And actually, that was quite a lot of I've written my dissertation about because they sold buses and underground at the time. Uh, and uh, then, yeah, I got that job. And that was great. And that was my kind of like my first dip into um into media sales and kind of found my way through and back to that driven piece again and 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 you know like what the the things about being bold and being brave which is for those of you who've worked for me it will know that's my my favorite statement um is that I wanted to be in sales and I got in and I was a coordinator and at the time in order to be in, uh, to be a true salesperson, you had to go around the, the business and do six months or three months in each department to figure out what you wanted to do. Which is so important, I think, actually in sales to really understand the different products and the services that you need to yeah, communicate. Exactly. And, yeah. But you had to go and spend like HR or go in telesales. So literally hit the phones and ringing people. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I went to my sales director at the time and I said, I really want to be a, an accountant exec and I don't see why I should have to go and do all those other <laughs> things to do what I want to do, which I know I'm going to be good at. So I want to do this. And then they were like, okay. So then, <laughs> so, then, <laughs> so I, I want to unpack this boldness because I feel like sometimes you have people like yourself who are clearly really bold and then you have people maybe like me who I overthink the next step or mm. the thing that I need to do and I might eventually do it, but yeah. sometimes it might take me a bit of a takes a bit of a process to get there do you go through that process or is there literally nothing that makes you feel that you can't go ahead and do that oh, thing oh, that you want to do oh I, there's loads of things that are outside my comfort zone and loads of things that you know and I don't even I don't even really realize that I do it sometimes is that does, do you, does that make yeah. sense well it's only when I look it's only it's actually through coaching that I've uncovered all of this stuff and you, you go back to your history and think about you know when you come when you start to get a bit nervous around certain career decisions or or are you leading in the right way or et cetera? And it's only when I'm through working for a coach when I've gone back and remembered these things about myself that has helped yeah. me remember them and remember who that brave little girl was who did those things. And and so, yeah, absolutely. I don't think it's something that I even thought about at the time, but I think, you know, it's just like going on a roller coaster ride, right? When, you, when you're younger, you see the roller coaster, you're like, I want to go on them. And so, uh, and but now I can't even go on them because I'm too mm. scared. And so I think we as we get older, we learn to over process yep, things and, and think about things but yeah so back in uh, you know in my first job I, I I did that and it pissed a lot of people off if I'm being completely honest they were <laughs> like well why has she just done that and I was like well because I asked for it because that's what I wanted and so I, it was good because I actually changed the changed the game for for other people but isn't that a lesson you wanted to do something you found the bravery and the courage to do something yeah and People are wondering why you were able to do it, but it was because you literally just opened the door for yourself yeah. and you asked. So I think the lesson that I'm taking from this, and there's lots of different lessons, but the lessons that I'm taking from this story in your early career is that actually sometimes making that big ask can be the door to unlock a change either for yourself or for other people that could be more meaningful than you realise. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, there's obviously a lot more processes and stuff in place now. And, you know, obviously you can't just ask for that. And it wasn't actually even really a promotion. It was just a change of role, which was, you know, just focusing on on doing one part of the job than the other. So, yeah, absolutely. It's just being being brave and asking asking those decisions. So that was, if you think about like pivotal and ch the, the, the point of this, this podcast is about change. And so I think the next pivotal moment I would say is I was in that job. I had a really great time, made loads of really good friends. And then the next pivotal change was my boss at the time 
then took me to he went to work at Yahoo and uh, that was when digital was just coming about and um and so he went to Yahoo and took me with him. And this was the days before social. Mm. And it was all about big portals. And so it was like MSN and Yahoo. And I don't even think AOL was around at the time, actually. And that was interesting because I I had I was I'd gone from like being the top of my game in my current company, the top salesperson, to going into an environment that I wasn't familiar with. And and outdoor has always been quite diverse and you know, in terms of hiring and everything. And that's what I love about it yeah. as a medium. Um, but when I went into tech, certainly tech. 15 you know 15 or so or 20 years ago um it wasn't that place at all actually and I found it a real struggle to fit mm. in because you know a lot of people had been to private school um my accent wasn't obviously like that and um you know I was you know they I, I definitely certainly felt like I didn't fit in and it really took me a while to find my groove there actually I felt pretty out of place you know they were all talking about what great skiers they were and skiing trips I was like I don't know about skiing. I know about caravans. <laughs> I know about caravan parts, but I've never been skiing. And so, you know, even that, you know, we talk a lot about moments of belonging, but yeah. that's not a moment of belonging, belonging all, right? Yeah. And um, and even in my earlier career, taking people out for lunch, thinking people going to have a credit card. I didn't have a credit card. I didn't have a credit rating in those days. You know what I mean? So it's even those moments of belonging that you have to, I think we just all have to be conscious of. And so that was a moment for me, certainly a change where I had to find my feet. But And what helped you to find your feet as someone who's also made a big career yep. change? I can definitely understand that it's... Um, it's not easy at yeah. all. And there's certain things that you have to do to be really proactive, to help you find your feet and to eventually help yourself to flourish. Yeah. So what are those things that you did to help yourself acclimatize to that big change? Um, yeah. So it was really, and I think it's it's a good piece of advice that I think is important in every job you actually have is find your allies, right? Find the people, find your cheerleaders, yeah. find your crew, that you can be yourself with and have that gossip and, you know, and yeah. just be, and because through that it's going to give you confidence. And, you know, um, I think, you know, we talk a lot about cheerleaders, we talk a lot about cheerleaders in Wacker, we talk a lot about cheerleaders in, in Bloom, but really finding those people that believe in you for who you are is really important. And so I found that was able to be myself and then actually really flourished there as well. But it did take a while and a bit of an adjustment to think about, okay, so how am I going to fit in this environment and be myself? And for those of people who are listening and thinking, yeah, I would love to find my people, but perhaps you don't see people that you feel that maybe you can connect yeah. with. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice? Yeah, I think... Um, one of the things that's always stood me stood me good in my career is, is networking. And I think it's so important to network. Um, it's really important. It's really powerful to be able to network. Um, and it's it's a skill. I'm not going to lie. It's it's hard. And um, and it's something you really have to work at. Um, so I'm in sales. So obviously, it's part of my job, job to network. Yeah. But um, even uh, as a salesperson and, and someone who's been in sales for, for 20 odd years, it is difficult. But I would say... You, that's when you really have to push yourself out of your comfort zone have those like you know have those things in your back pocket to go and talk to people about really have those one to two free questions that you can get to know and also I think don't underestimate asking people for time people want to give their time yeah, right do. people will always want to throw the ladder down and help what well, they they should do <laughs> um, not everyone well I think most most people do but you know people do really want to help each other and so I think now that we have great social networking tools like the power of LinkedIn, I would say that I worked there for 13 years. We'll come on to that in a bit. Um, but, you know, the power of LinkedIn, being able to reach out and just ask someone for a coffee and have that have that um, connection is really important. And um, I think also people are scared by the word mentor, mm. right? And I talk, I've, you know, I've done a lot of mentoring. I'm really passionate about it. But I think the power mentor, the word mentor can sometimes be scary. It can be a bit off-putting, right? Because yeah. it feels like this big thing that you need to go and ask somebody about. But actually, we've probably all got lots of different official and unofficial mentors in in our lives exactly and and a board and like a board a board a board we talk about board of directors but i think if so i think if you take the word mentor out of it because if people come to you and say oh i'll tell you i want you to be my mentor you'd be like i don't have time for that yeah you know what i mean but if there's someone said <laughs> if someone approaches me and says i've got this problem i'm trying to navigate myself into my next career move can you help me of course you it's can very specific isn't it exactly and so i think if you and I get quite a, quite a few people saying, can I be your mentor? And I'm like, okay, I'm, I, I don't want to commit to that, but I'll commit to having a coffee with you Absolutely. and having a chat about where you're going. And so I think framing it in the right way is really, really important. And I think just 
being specific about what you want that person to help you with is really important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so powerful. Sally, I feel like you're giving us like <laughs> business masterclass, networking masterclass sales <laughs> tips here, which yeah. is awesome. And I sometimes think that networking, I try and remind myself that it's sometimes it's just keeping the door open with Absolutely. somebody that you've been connected to or you would like to be connected with it's just making sure that you don't forget that there's some kind of relationship there that you need to foster absolutely and nurture yeah absolutely especially in our industry yeah. it's really important right? yeah really important yeah absolutely um, so i was at yahoo no yeah yahoo and then i was having a really great time there things were going really well and then i and then um i thought to myself what's next and then i thought i really want to go and work for a startup and don't know why, but I didn't have, I wasn't married, I didn't have kids. And I was like, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it now. And so um, I went and had a conversation um, through, through a connection um, when I had a conversation um, with um, somebody about a website called LinkedIn. And it was um, this job site that no one had heard of. And I had my interview with Henry uh, in the Crown 2 chairman in Soho over a bottle of wine. And uh, he was like, look, there's no advertising business. We don't know what, we, you know, if we're, we're just starting out in the UK, just, you know, come and come and let's figure it out. And uh, so I was like, cool. So I just, I, I went along, didn't really, you know, didn't really worry about anything. Oh, I did worry about it, obviously. But at the time I was like, this is just a <laughs> yeah, cool idea. And let me it. tell you, people thought I was mad. People thought I was insane. They were like, why are you leaving Yahoo to go and work at LinkedIn? And has it started in the US Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it was back in the day. It was just a job site. Yeah. Remember, there wasn't really. There was maybe a um, an ad of three hundred by what are they three three hundred by two fifty. Um, there was like one ad, and that was it. And um, so there was it was when I joined, I was employee number three hundred thirty three. Um, there was an office just started in the UK, so I was employee number ten in the UK office, the first office outside the outside of um the US. US. So the international, we were the international team, and that was um amazing. Um, like you just so many experiences and just incredible being at a startup you know picking the office floor looking at office buildings figuring out how to make things work it was just yeah it was uh, such an amazing experience that I would encourage everybody to take the leap and yeah. if you can work for a startup it's it's really it's a different kind of experience I've also worked for a startup and we were moving office and my boss at the time said that Right, we're moving office. As I'm, I'm expecting removal vans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He gave us all boxes, and he's like, "Here's your box for your computer. <laughs> we're getting on the tube." Oh my gosh! <laughs> and that's how we moved office. Yeah. But like you say, like great, really, really great learning experience. Such you get to do so experience. much. Yeah, and like just, and also, I think just like learning different skills and just figuring it out. And like, what I love about the startup experience is that you know, I think when you work for a bigger companies, you're sometimes in a role that you you're kind of you you kind of have to stay within that lane. Whereas when working at startup everyone has to do everything you yeah. just have to get on with it and it's pure camaraderie which is what I loved um, so that was amazing and at, but at the time I was actually engaged when I had my interview and I don't if Henry listens to this he wouldn't know this so um, obviously we're in a different place now to what yeah, we, we were are. but I took off my took off my engagement ring when I went to the interview because obviously we were going to I was going to work for a, a tech startup and um and then I got married and then I started trying for a baby and uh and then I couldn't get pregnant. Uh, and for anybody who's had fertility challenges, it's just it's really hard, really awful, yeah. actually. And like, you know, we're going to talk a lot about grief, going to talk about grief in a sec a bit more. But I'd say that was a huge amount of grief. And um, and unless you've been through it, I can't really explain it because it's like grieving every month you get a period. Yeah. And every single person around you seems to be able to fall pregnant and you can't do the one thing that you have no control over and it's the thing that you really want and you just can't do it and then you just don't understand why and then you become really hypersensitive to people when they fall pregnant and you feel like you can't be around someone your emotions are all over the place and it was just a really really tough time in my life actually um but obviously no one at work knew this situation mm. because I couldn't really talk about it at the time um so then after going through various different uh, NHS options then I was privileged enough to be able to afford to be able to go private and go um and go and it and go through the um the stage of of, of um IVF and I just found out that I've got a really low egg count and that was that was what the challenge was um but obviously it's very expensive and yeah. um and I was working at a startup so I couldn't talk about it and so <laughs> so I'd literally get, have to get my drugs biked to me and stick them in the little startup fridge oh, and like gosh. try and hide them at the back and I'd be like don't anyone touch that it's my stuff <laughs> um and then I'd literally like be like 
injecting in the toilets and before going out with clients in the evening. I mean, it was just like insane. Yeah, insane, like insane. And then, and, uh, and I think for anybody that's been through IVF or considering it, the one thing I would say is that what I don't think that it's explained to you very well is that all throughout the process, every single stage, it's a 50, 50 chance. Yeah, definitely. It's a 50 50 chance if you're gonna if the if the drug's gonna work. It's a 50 50 chance yeah. if you're gonna if the if you're gonna um you know ovulate in time and the eggs are gonna and and and, and all those things. And so it was just a, a huge amount of pressure and, and a lot. And then um and then I went through all of that and I did get two embryos out of it. And then um they were put back in and it coincided the two week wait. For those of you who don't know what two week is, you put the embryos back in, then you have to wait two weeks to find out if it's worked and get pregnant. You're supposed to rest and all that sort of stuff. And I it coincided with a massive pitch that I had on at the Always time. The and I had to, um, I was traveling, so I had to go to Amsterdam. Obviously we were a startup, it was a massive deal. Um, and I remember presenting <clears throat> at the time and I felt what I thought was my period mm. as I was presenting this annual partnership and uh and I was like shit it's not worked and uh obviously just went home and everything and then I remember like crying at home you know chopping cucumber saying to my husband like you know I think you should just leave me because I can't give you what you want basically because you have that <clears throat> whole guilt of you know the, 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 your body can't can't make it happen and um but I actually was pregnant <laughs> it's those not to kind of give away too too many too many too much information sometimes it's those twingy pains that feel yeah. quite similar yeah right, I know exactly what you mean so that yeah. was it that was what it was it was actually the embed it was actually the embryo embedding into my yeah. uterus but I thought I was having my period and then I was and I was pregnant and that was my daughter, Eliza, who's now 11. Amazing. So then obviously you had Eliza. And one thing I haven't covered is that um, a bit more about my family. So I talked about my dad was a window cleaner. We were working class family. And my mum was a stay-at-home mum to about nine. And then I, ha- I had two older brothers. So um, uh, my Robert was a year older than me and Danny was uh, five years older than me. And they were both alcoholics. Mm. Um, and, you know, that was a big big part of our life and I chose to when I had my daughter chose to step away from them because I couldn't have and anyone who's around family of our colleagues will know the amount of just pressure and yeah. everything it puts on you on your family so um I was still supportive and everything but um I kind of like had to step away from it a little bit because I had to concentrate on my family and then um while I was at LinkedIn and I think Eliza was about two unfortunately Robert died um so and it was a yeah it was it was a massive shock um and he lived in Devon and so I had to just really get my mum through that grieving process mm. and um that was really tough um and what I didn't mention actually I forgot to mention was um when I was about 22 um a big pivotal moment in my life was my dad was diagnosed with cancer and um he had cancer of the throat and the lymph node so he basically had to have his tongue removed and his voice box so it meant from the age of 21 he couldn't speak and he was like the life and soul of the party he was very much like me very um extrovert my mom's very introvert and so that was a big massive moment in our family's life because my mum then became his voice um he then obviously then became very very withdrawn and so that was a big just a big a big grieving moment and a big part of the Mm. part of my part of my story um so yeah we lost um Sorry from jumping around a bit. We lost um, um, Robert and then um, my dad's cancer returned. And so that was tough. Um, and my mum had also had breast cancer as well a couple of years before. It's really, really yeah, hard. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really hard. hard. Um, and, then, um, and then we lost Danny. Literally yeah. about a year later, we lost Danny, my, my, my other brother. Um, and because Danny was a functional alcoholic and so you didn't you didn't really notice no, it as much but yeah. then he got really ill and I was with him at the end and yeah I mean to lose two brothers in that in that short amount of space is tough and really hard and my mum felt a lot of um, shame mm. and wouldn't talk about it still doesn't really talk about it today because she feels it's something that she did wrong obviously people make their own choices when they're an adult absolutely but um, so that was um, that was really tough. And, and then what were, the, what were the things or people that 
helped you during that time? Well, obviously, my husband's amazing, and um, you know, a big, you know, I wouldn't be here without here without him. And my friends are amazing. I think you know because I had to kind of distance myself a little bit from my family. My friends became my family, mm-hmm. and they are my family. They're very much my family, and you know, they they all rallied around and they would help and and talk about things and um, <clears throat> yeah. And I think with my brothers, I really concentrated on. When my, when my brother started, I tried to really just concentrate and get my parents through it yeah. as well because you kind of have to be strong and be the strong one to get them through it. And then in between that, I was also trying to get pregnant with my second. And so I was having also having quite a few miscarriages as well, which was which was tough. Um, and then six months after we lost, Danny, we lost my dad. So my dad then died as well. And that was really, really, really tough, hard. really, really hard. And um, he was really ill at the end. And um I was there at the end of was with him at hospice yeah. and that was hard and really tough for my mum as well, you know, losing all that in, in such a yeah. short amount of time. And uh, yeah, grief is just, you know, it's, there's no, everyone's going to grieve. It's yeah. part of being a human being. There's no rule book on it. There's no, um, there's no right way to grieve. There's no wrong way to grieve. Um, everyone's experience will be different and you kind of just have to get through it. Right. And uh, that was really tough. And, in the meantime, while my um, my dad died and then... So basically what, what happened then after my dad was I was going through IVF and then I got pregnant with my... I did the same thing again, had two embryos went in and then one survived and that was my son, Albert. But then unfortunately he died at six months when I was pregnant with him and that was really tough because Eliza was, I think, five and it was just three years of shit, yeah, basically. it's a lot. It's a real... Huge for one individual. Yeah, it was, it was just yeah, it was a lot. And, you know, trying to explain to my five-year-old that she wasn't going to have a brother after having so many people that had died in her family. She's like, Mum, we'd go to the church and like a candle because I'm Catholic. And, mm. and she'd be like, Mum, we can't keep lighting all these candles. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. So now I'm like, just light one candle and say a prayer for everyone. And um, so, yeah, that was really, that was really, really um, tough. And um, and how do you get through that, yeah. right? How do you get through that? And, you know, and I, t- I talk openly about losing, losing a baby when you're pregnant because... I think it's important because women don't talk about it. Miscarriage is so common and it's, and it's, you know, when, in fact, when I went to the hospital to talk about being pregnant, they told me how many miscarriages I didn't even realise. I think I just blocked it out. Um, But I remember just like little strategies of coping and, and I remember someone said to me that walking is so powerful and obviously, you know, listening is so powerful. Um, Obviously I work with Spotify, we'll come Mm. to that later. So I remember just walking and literally putting one foot in front of the other and saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Mm. And just kept walking. And this is no coincidence because literally the last guest that we had um, had a similar journey to with her fertility. And I asked her a similar question and as she was explaining her story and she said exactly the same thing, oh, walking. Really? <clears throat> and she found so much healing power through just going for a walk. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 the power of exercise. I'm a big believer in and exercise. Movement. We talked about yeah. We're, we're, we're big Peloton, Peloton fans. fans. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Peloton. Uh, I hope they sponsor this podcast. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it was um, the just like keep just literally putting one foot in front of the other and keep walking and and that was kind of how I, how I got through it. And so it was yeah, yeah just in, just it's just intense period of grief and um, just you know I think I really tried to get my mum through my brothers and then. Obviously, I was trying to get my mum through my dad and I was always agreeing with my dad and then trying to get through Albert was like, yeah, it was tough. But um, but yeah, obviously, you never get over it, right? No. But you know, I'm here to talk about that you do get through it and yeah. that's, that's important. Do you think it's made you, do you think it's changed you in any way? 100% it's changed me, yeah. Of course it has, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, it's it took me a long time to be able to talk about it. Mm. I, I think I first talk about, I first spoke about it at a Bloom event because <laughs> I was um, president of Bloom. I'll talk about that in a, in, in a bit. Um, but I first I felt able to talk about it, and I think because I wanted someone to talk about it, and yeah. no one was talking about it. And um, so um, I think the power of being able to have empathy and talk about it with other people. So it's changed me. It's it's definitely changed me as a person, as a leader as a as a partner as a you know as a mum everything basically because um it makes you who you are today and so i'm really um empathetic to hearing people's stories yeah, absolutely. i would say as well yeah so <clears throat> after all of that i was like i'm done with having um with trying to, with trying and like you know that's it and then obviously the pandemic happened and um 
you know, LinkedIn were, oh, what I didn't say actually was one of my coping strategies was work. Mm. And so LinkedIn were amazing. They have amazing leaders. Um, it was such an amazing place to work. Hence why I was there for 13 years. And I actually went back to work after two weeks, which was wow. insane um, after, after Albert. But I just felt like I needed to just get to. on with it. Yeah. And like, you know, the longer, and anyone who's, who's been out for, parental leave or um, or any sort of leave will know coming back to work is daunting and I just thought you know what I've just got to get on with it and so you know fair play to the LinkedIn crew because they were just how do you how you know there's no rule book on that no, is there someone's so. lost a baby after six months they were visibly pregnant they've come back into work would you talk about it do you mention it and you know I just never forget someone just high-fived me in the office and even just that interaction mm. was just was great because you know people just have to get on with it so um, so then the pandemic happened and um, and then uh, without getting to, <laughs> without getting too uh, graphic, I've never used contraception because I've never been able to get pregnant, right? And uh, so then in 2020, <clears throat> I was just started to feel a bit sick. Obviously, you don't even really notice what's going on because there was just everything. And uh, I remember like my friends saying, God, your, your boobs are really big. And I was like... <laughs> got big boobs anyway and they were like no they're even bigger and I was like oh are they maybe they just look great and maybe I've been the Peloton and then I was like oh god I've no period for ages and then I also thought I was perimenopausal because wow. that also happens yeah, as well does, by the way does, yeah. is that if you're perimenopausal you can get pregnant uh, so I thought oh, I'm just gonna do a pregnancy test just to rule it out and the test came back that I was over like six weeks pregnant or something ridiculous and I was like oh my god you were not expecting that and I'd been partying and having fun and you know one of my I define myself as I like to have fun one of my new year's resolutions is always have more fun yeah standard every year great resolution um and uh, I was like shit I don't even know if I want this anymore mm. because I feel like I'd, my life moved on oh my, my daughter was yeah. at school um my husband was trained to be a teacher he took the advantage of going to uni and um becoming a teacher because he was like like you know we were just in a different place mm. in different and uh obviously my husband being the cool-headed guy that he is was just like it's cool just don't worry about it just obviously I'd had so many miscarriages and he's like just don't just whatever will be will be just yeah. stop worrying about it just, just stop stressing and I was like okay so stop stressing and that was Florence oh. who's now two uh, and that was completely natural. And obviously, after everyone telling me that I couldn't um, have another baby, have a baby naturally, that was my well, that was my two year old. And uh, so she changed my life in many yeah. ways, actually, because um, she, I got pregnant with her, and then I was at home with her for ten weeks, and I got a message on my um, LinkedIn inbox saying, "There's this job at Spotify. We'd like to talk to you about it." And I was like. Oh shit, that's a really good job. <laughs> but I've just had a baby. And uh and then um and I was like, oh, what am I gonna do? So I just had to really coach myself through it. I'm sure you're in your head in the, somewhere deep down inside, the Sally that always goes for it was there. You were probably, like you say, kind of coaching your way to kind of find your yourself yeah. in that place where you're like, mm, actually, yes, yeah. I should go for it. Absolutely, but postpartum, ten weeks Very old, difficult. I really had to dig in and find that inner me to coach myself through it and go, you know, why shouldn't you have this interview? Mm. Why shouldn't you? Just because you've had a baby doesn't doesn't change who you are. So we should talk about that actually, because we that that you know is probably like that you've probably just pressed the button in me that's yeah. like a really passionate button. That moment that you said, just because you've had a baby doesn't change who you are or the things that you want or the things that you want to go for I think it's just so powerful mm. and I think that's a message that you know if we could do another conversation on another day on another topic <laughs> that's another conversation I'd really love to get into because yeah. I just think it's so important I don't think women change we don't become less capable we do change but in some ways we change for the better and we don't we definitely do not become less capable and therefore you know all those opportunities that you want to do you should still consider yourself able yeah. to do some to do them whether you want to or not is a different story yeah but we're still 100% capable 100% and and actually I remember and this is your I'm sitting in front of the experts I don't even feel like I should be talking about it no, but please. um I remember like with um and obviously the world is very different now right post pandemic you can be more flexible and like you know we work for great companies like Spotify that enable me to do that 
But um, it wasn't always like that. It wasn't always the case. And uh, I remember when I first had Eliza, and she's eleven, so whether you know when, however old that was, and uh, and I think it was about a promotion or something. And I just felt I couldn't go for it. And I remember coming home and crying to my husband and going, "Why can't I have it all? Why can't I be a mum and be a career person at the same time? Why can't I?" Because I felt at that time I couldn't because it was just, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't feel like it was able to. But obviously the. The world has changed now, and yeah, the you world know, has moved on for the exactly. better. And I hope it will continue to move in, the di- in that direction where women yeah. have options. Exactly. Um, so, coaching myself for it, I had the interview, and uh, they were like, "It's cool. We feel the right person. We'll wait for you." So, obviously, at ten weeks, um, uh, didn't have any childcare. <laughs> so, um, I had interviewed with uh, with Holding Flow and uh, Fair Play mm-hmm. to That's rack. Um, Patel and um and um Lee Brown, who's like the big global VP at Spotify, they were like, We think you're the right person, we'll wait for you. Awesome. And they waited ten months for me. So they waited for me to see out my maternity leave at LinkedIn and then um and then I have I took as long as I want. So they waited and how, for me. And I think that is so powerful because one, it does happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen that often, but it definitely does happen. And I love that it was two male leaders who opened that door and actually advocated for you and said, no, you were the person that you want. We are absolutely going to wait for you. And they made the right decision that they felt was right for their business. Yeah. Having met you, how did that make you feel at that moment? And then how did it make you feel as you were actually about to start the job? It's a really, really great question. Um, so a lot of imposter syndrome actually, because I got it. And then I, and then I, so you got to remember that I was passive, right? And we talk, we just talk a lot about passive and uh, candidates at LinkedIn because um, LinkedIn allows you, enables you to mm. contact passive candidates. So I was passive. So it wasn't like I was looking. And so I was still totally embedded to LinkedIn and totally in love with LinkedIn. You know, I'd grown up there. And so even when they offered me the job, I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I want, is this the right thing? Yeah. <laughs> and my friends were like, it's Spotify. Like, what are you doing? One of the coolest brands around. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so obviously I did and it was, and and but then when I joined and then all leading up to it, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be good enough. I think they've got the wrong person, blah, blah, blah. And so I had all that going around in my head. And then when, and then when you start, you don't want to disappoint them. Like, have I have they waited this long for me and I'm going to be rubbish? You know, you, you have all that going on in your head as well. Um, and is that maybe when you started coaching or had you done coaching before that moment or how did you um, overcome those feelings of imposter syndrome? Yeah, I'd done coaching before that and LinkedIn were very good like that. They gave they gave me a coach and I, I do have a coach now. Spotify also gives you coaches, um, but it's not something I've worked with him on actually. Um, it reminds me if he listens to this, that he needs to work with me on that. Um I think it's just about finding your groove. And we talk, I've talked about it before, right? It's about going into a new company, learning their culture, learning their different ways and just finding your way of being yourself. And, uh, and yeah, just having to coach yourself through it, I think is, is, is a big thing. And, um, and one of the things we haven't touched upon actually, which I think I'd like to touch upon is um, we talked a little bit about the power of networking, but I felt when when um, I was at LinkedIn and I had Eliza, I felt like I gave them so much, right? Because I was there from the startup. I did a lot of stuff, did a lot of talks and everything. And I just felt actually as Eliza went to school, I had a bit more time and had more stuff to offer. And that's when I found Bloom. And um, and because I just felt like I wanted to network outside of mm. LinkedIn. And uh, Bloom, for those of you who don't know what Bloom is, Bloom is a, a network for women. Um, uh, it's assistant um, network to Wackle and it's for women of um, over six years experience. And so I just joined that and just just because I wanted to just meet some new people network and it was really great for me to be able to like learn. They give you mentoring skills, how to mentor others. Um, and I just had that whole experience of, you know, meeting new people, networking with women and meeting some great people. Bloom and, is awesome. I really, really have a lot of time for Bloom. Yeah, because they're just about giving back and yeah. just, you know, and helping others through it. And and everything's for women's aid. So it's all for charity. Okay. And, and what, I, what was great about Bloom is that you can also go there and learn different experiences. So if you if you want to learn about marketing, you can go and work mm. on the marketing team. And if you want to learn how to do social, you can go work on social teams. And so um, yeah. I did that. And then um, I was there and then I got promoted up very quickly. Oh, and then in 2020, when the pandemic hit, then I became president just as the, just as the pandemic hit. So that was fun. <laughs> That's a huge year for you. Yeah. But in a way, I kind of I listen to your story and I reflect and I think, obviously, it's some really, really tough years yeah. and some really big challenges but I feel that then life kind of just starting to open up and kind yeah. of give you these opportunities at a moment where 
you're probably thinking, right, I just need to just focus on kind of getting myself back together. But actually life will say, no, here's Sally, here you go. Here's something that you can do. Here, yeah. here you go. Here's something that you can do yeah, to kind yeah. of bring you back to yeah. you yeah. in a way. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so I, th- I mean, like, I mean, you know, you reflect back and of pand- the pandemic. For, I mean, it's, I, I talk about it all the time. It's like, can you actually believe we were locked on our it's houses madness. for two years? It's I can't. mental, isn't it? It's mental. And, you know, we, you know, obviously with everything that's going on, We've just seen all the documentaries and everything. You think, would you do that again? No. But you would if oh, your family. Yeah, but if your family was. Do you mean would you actually go into yeah, physical if, lockdown? Yeah, but if oh, I think we said yeah. we wouldn't. But if your family was in danger, of course, of course yeah. you would. Why? Right? Uh, having to like pivot everything. I was lucky that I worked for a company that was already online. already online, so I was able to pivot things very quickly to online and and like just scale it very quickly. But yeah, I was. Yeah, people ask you all the time what you're most proud of and for sure that is my most proudest moment mm. of like being able to raise we raised £50,000 for Women's Aid doubled our membership and you know had an amazing 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 leadership team and uh, yeah it was couldn't see them all because we were online, online for two years yeah. but it was just yeah it was it was just an incredible experience really good amazing so obviously President of Bloom doing amazing things have this job offer you've started at Spotify found your feet what were the big moments or what have been the big moments for you during that phase of your career, the things that you'd love to celebrate or the things that you've learned about yourself? Yeah, I think um, so. So to rephrase the question, I think people always say to me, so what are you most pr- proud of professionally? What are you most proud of personally? I think professionally it was it was being able to be able to give back, right? And um, I think... I talk about, we talked about networking, but I think it's just so important to make time for people because, and I talk about this a lot because people go, well, I've done, people don't want to talk to me. I'm like, yes, they do. Because mm. if you're someone who comes from an, from an area that you've got no connections and, you know, I was lucky enough, I did have a connection, right? And it helped me see me on, on my way in my career. But if you come from a, 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 an area that it doesn't, and you're, and you're and that you don't, you don't know those people to get you in the doors, just think how powerful a coffee or a conversation with someone about tips and tricks you can learn, how to use LinkedIn, how to network. Just think how powerful that is. And so I just encourage everybody that's listening or watching this podcast is to just give your time to somebody, give back it so powerful just open yourself up to have conversations there's many many ways you can do it you don't even have to do it efficiently you can just literally just say even on linkedin i'm happy yeah. my my inbox is open i'm, I'm happy to have a conversation oh, notes. i found them so helpful yeah if somebody's like i want to ask you a question i'm like yeah shoot and then sometimes i find it quite difficult to type for a long time because i'm always on the move yeah <laughs> so i just send a quick voice note of kind of my opinions and i sometimes it helps and you know sometimes it doesn't but I'm yeah. sure it does. I'm, I'm that's stopping a woman. <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't. A hundred percent, it does. And 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 so being able to have a platform to be able to give back, like Bloom, was just like really, really incredible, and opened me up to many, many conversations in the DNI space, which I'm passionate about because I came from. I didn't have a usual route into tech, um, and you know, I've I've been very successful, and I'm, I'm and I'm very lucky and thankful for that. And to be able to give that to others is really, really important. So always, always, always always someone asks you for their time always give it to them I love that because you talk about kind of stepping into spaces where maybe you don't have any connections and I can really 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 empathize with that as somebody who I mentioned kind of you know made a big career change I didn't really have any connections Mm. and so I was desperate to learn and desperate to ask questions and you know any event that I could kind of go to and learn and kind of write something down or ask somebody a question or, you know, I did Wackle mentoring, for example, mainly for that purpose, because I just needed to go somewhere and kind of ask questions and get to know people and start to understand. But that for me, amongst lots of other things, was so incredibly powerful. And I am so grateful for people giving their time. It was almost like somebody gave me a pay rise. Totally. (laughs) That's that's kind of how it felt. Yeah. All the different things that I had the ability to learn yeah they literally felt like gems and nuggets of wisdom that if I could pay for I would have paid for yeah exactly (laughs) so So it's really important to just like have that you know um, ability to be able to just take the time and give people like five minutes of your time is is really important um and then a professional like personally what am I most proud of it's my children you know it was a journey to become a mum um and you know I cherish it and and I'm and I'm I'm incredibly lucky because it doesn't work out for a lot of people Mm. or they don't want to have children and that's okay like let's let's you know change the narrative that you don't have 
have to you don't have to be a woman and want to have Absolutely. children you don't have to you know um and that's okay but for me it definitely was the ability to have kids you know i'm i'm i love being a mom it's hard work it's sometimes it's so hard it's so hard, <laughs> so hard. and but uh, if you yeah it's, if you choose it's, it it's so worth it it's it's so it is and it's rewarding but you know and you know running from here to there and there to here and you know trying to fit it all for, trying to fit it all in and you know uh, you know as you know more than anyone that you know there is no such thing as as balance it's a blend right yeah. it's part of your life and that's why it's so important to do a job that you love and you can thrive in because you know otherwise you're never going to achieve you're going to be bad on both on both sides of the coin and you're going to burn out very quickly so it's really really important so i'd say those are the two things that mm. i'm that, that, that i would say helped define me yeah sally i could literally listen to your story over and over and again and i will because i think there are so many different lessons to really unpack and learn and i'm going to probably go back and probably have a extra couple of coaching sessions now because I feel like there's more that I need to really pull out of myself to be the bold and brave woman that you have shown us that you are that I think so many of us can learn from so thank you so much for giving your time it literally has flown by the question that we actually end with but I feel that you've answered but I'll ask it to you anyway Mm. is Um, that all of those different moments of change have they changed how you see yourself are you still that fun bold person or has there been elements in your journey that have changed you at all and if so how yeah I think well I think they've all changed me right and um I think uh, the I think losing Albert is the is the biggest one I think that's mm. just had a that's had a big the biggest change on me I would say um it took me a long time to be able to to be comfortable talking about it and I think it's important as a woman to talk about baby loss because it happens and people don't talk about it enough you know men and women and um it's not just women that go through it men go through it as well um and um I think that's definitely changed me as as a person and and just made me made me who I am really uh but yeah I think all of the all of the pivotal moments of my life you know having that having that amount of intense grief uh, along the way has definitely defined who I am and and you know life is life is for taking mm. just go and fucking get it oh I love that I absolutely love that life is for taking and thank you so much for being so bold and so brave and honest and open and sharing your story with us today and thank you to everyone at team Spotify for making this series happen thank you so much thank you so much to sally for coming on and giving us such an incredible podcast and being such a burst of energy in that um i feel like i'm feeling so many different emotions from her conversation with toby um but definitely feeling motivated and ready to embrace changes and to stand up for myself so thank you to sally and thank you for all of you for listening and we'll see you next time